Hey everyone, we're here with your Not That Funked Up, and I am Danielle Nafti. I'm really excited to be sharing with the beautiful, amazing Erin Quinn today. She is founder of End Abuse for Good, which will soon be Love Will. She's an author, she's a former model, and she's one of my favorite people in the whole entire world. So I'm just really excited to have you here today. So thanks for coming. Uh, I'm just really excited at that introduction. Who is this girl? I got to meet her. (laughs) She's my amazing friend, and she's sitting right here with me. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely love you, and I'm I'm so happy to be a part of this. Well, we're really excited. Um, You know, honestly, I I think we figured out... have we known each other like 10 years now, almost? I feel like I've known you my whole life. I know, right? Separated and at birth. Let's talk to your parents. What's going on here? Let's go. Let's get the, let's get the adoption get papers the all drummed up and, and find out the truth. But, um, I, you know, it's been such an amazing journey watching you develop um, End Abuse for Good and develop as an author, and you're an amazing keynote speaker when you go into schools and share. And um, i just love for you, if you don't mind, to just talk about where are you now and then we'll get into some of the heavier stuff of, of how you got there. But if you don't mind just telling us a little bit about that. Sure. So um, Interviews for Good is a 501c3 nonprofit. And we've been around for 13 years now. Wow. Can you believe that? That went quick. 13 years. And um, where we are now is uh, one of the leading edge educators. We really believe that um, kids deserve a fair chance. Um, they deserve to know the things that will protect them and keep them safe. And one of those things is those early signs of abuse in a relationship. So we really love going into schools and corporations and and talking about kind of a tough subject, but keeping it like as, you know, light and just fun and kind of like a, this is what you need to know. And and then, of course, you know, with you and, and everyone affiliated with you and your wonderful company going into the shelters... And reminding um, women and children who have been through a really tough time, it's okay. Life's going to be good again. Uh, no one's forgotten about you. And so where we are now is, is I guess, sort of like full steam ahead. Yeah. Um, really, we've done so much with, um, with, with women, with women who have survived domestic abuse. And where our hearts are is, is what about the kids? Yeah. What about these little kids? I mean, I think one of the things that always struck me so strongly was I never realized how many people are affected by domestic violence. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, I hear that a lot. And it's the kind of thing, like, why would you know? Really. I mean, why would you know that? And, but then when you find out, it's, it's really shocking. Um, according to U.S. You know, statistics, it's one in three. Oh we used God. to say it was one in four. Now we say it's one in three. It's one in every three teenagers, wow. one in every three, and and at every school you can think of. I've been to the United Nations International School. I've been to schools up in the Bronx. I've been to schools in Lowell, Massachusetts. I've spoken at colleges out in California. It doesn't really matter where you are. It's still, it's impacting everyone. It, it is, and it's such a sort of a quiet thing we don't talk about. Well, I think one of the wild things that I remember is that when you were going through explaining... Um, I was at one of your seminars, and you were going through explaining kind of things that had happened to you, and then you had some people share some of their experiences. And what was wild to me was I didn't realize that even myself, I had been a part of abusive relationships throughout my life, and I didn't even know that it was deemed abusive. And that's one of the things that I think is so interesting to me. 
I think it's um, one of the things that is really healing, right? Because you don't know what to call that. Yeah. You don't even know that there's something to to label, you know, what's happened. They, I think for a lot of women and men, too, they just think of it as a tough time in their yeah. life. Or a difficult relationship is kind of, you know, in the quotes, mm-hmm. difficult. But when you are able to see it for what it was, I think you get a lot of space around it and a lot of perspective, yeah. and then you get a lot of healing. Especially if you understand it's not, it's not something that anyone wants or asks for or cause to happen. This is something that it happens. To now, anyone. I mean, one of the things that like helped me to see that or realize that was you, you told stories of just even controlling people and things within lives that like most people I don't think would even know is would be deemed abuse no. or abusive and and a lot of that stemmed from your own experiences do you mind sharing and, and diving in on what made you passionate about starting this amazing journey to help others well I, I'm here to dive <laughs> so, Diving. so girl. let's splash <laughs> splash around um you know pick up on what you were saying um that there are a lot of behaviors we don't realize that are abuse. When you say abuse, uh, you know, most people, most people's minds go to somebody got physically hurt, right? you know, real violence. And, um, and you're right. You know, they would be right to think that. Uh, you can abuse someone their entire life and never lay a hand on them because the definition of domestic abuse is one person gaining power and control over another human being and then using that power to control where they go, what they do, who they see, how they think. Do they stay? Do they leave? Do they get a good job? Do they do what they want to do? They take away the ability to self-govern and be independent because that's a very threatening thing for someone who only feels comfortable being in control. So when you are in love with someone and you're heading out the door and they say, why are you wearing that? What do you mean, why am I wearing that? Well, you look like a, put in any word you want, right? I hate that, I hate those words, yeah. but, oh, you know, you want other guys looking at you? Is that what you're doing? No, I just, okay, I'll just, I'll change. And you go and you change. That's abuse. Wow. You just had to stop being who you wanted to be and go change your outfit And it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it it doesn't stop there because then you don't wear that outfit anymore and then you go through the rest of your closet and then what else are you going to change? Your haircut. And then, well, I don't want you hanging around with that girl. She's not a nice girl. And then I don't want you at that job because it's just all guys. Why do you have to work with all guys? And then, and it goes and it goes. And next thing you know, two, three, four, five years later, you don't recognize yourself anymore. And you don't look up in the in the mirror and say, "I am a victim of domestic abuse." You don't but you realize are. it. You absolutely are, because it's that pushback that lets you know something's wrong, which would be um, rage on your partner's behalf, withdrawing love, which is very scary and very punishing. Yeah. Um, or you know, well, I had an affair, and it's your fault. You know, you're not a good girlfriend or partner, or I can't trust you. He's, Sort of entitled ways. poor behavior that is reflected back on you. If you hadn't dressed that way or hadn't gone out or you hadn't taken that job, then I wouldn't have had to do this terrible thing. Wow. <laughs> That's abuse. That's my favorite. You know what's funny? Sometimes <clears throat> I forget. I start off a workshop with, um, whether it's teenage girls 
or a corporation. And by the way, if you're listening to this and, and you want to bring me and our organization into your school, your church, your office, your organization, just go ahead and contact us. Um, when I'm with the high school girls, I say, okay, when I say that's not okay. You say that's abuse. Sometimes I forget I said it right. <laughs> so I'll be running along and I'll describe the behaviors and I'll say, you, you know, so telling you what to wear, that's not okay. And they'll shout, that's abuse. That's like, oh my gosh, you guys got it. That's the takeaway. Just leave the room and just know two. If there's only two things they remember. Remember like, no, that's abuse. I did my job and, and no, uh, oh, I'm going to have to get some help. I'm going to have to get some help here. So, I think your original question was, how did I get here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was a long road around. The short answer is uh, I grew up with abuse. My father beat my mother up all the time. Um, I always try not to get emotional when I talk about this. When will it stop being emotional? It'll always be emotional. I guess that's the vulnerability behind it, right? <sighs> okay. So... It, like my earliest memories were, you know, hiding under a kitchen table, um, shielding my sister. I was going to say you have a younger sister. So I have you a younger were the, sister, so I was always the protector. Yeah, I was the default protector. I was the bigger one, even though it was only one year. I was, you know, kind of mature for my age, so it was my, and then protecting my mother. I was the little protector. Yeah, and um, like with most children who have been through that kind of trauma it's very hard for me to remember things right. it's kind of fuzzy so I don't remember a lot but I do remember um I just remember being scared for my mom that's like my earliest memory was yeah. my mother being thrown up against my bedroom door and screaming for me don't come out don't open the door and my sister was crying and I had to tell her it's okay but my mom was being hurt. It was terrible. I was five, four, oh four or five years old. So fast forward and you know, try to you know, keep it uh, short and sweet, is there was a lot of dysfunction in that household. And uh, she went on to marry someone else who was um, uh, dysfunctional. So it was, a, you know, it was a tough time. And by the time I was um, dating, I could never understand why it kept turning out that way. Why? So you were naturally drawn yeah. to these types Overbearing, of men. <laughs> controlling, big personalities, super charming, spoiling me. I thought it was the luckiest girl in the world. And it would always turn out the same with this um, crazy jealousy, like stealing things out of the engine of my car so I couldn't leave my house jealousy. Oh. And uh, and I was so embarrassed, like, what is wrong with me? You know, why am I picking this? But um, I never thought it was abusive. I never, you know, I knew that my my mother lost her two front teeth. So there's that and over that there. to you was and, abuse. Right, that's abuse. That's the like, definition I'm, in your head at Exactly, that time. and that's it. Right. And, you know, this, again, this isn't something that we, we, we don't. We just about. don't. And, and honestly, I mean, I think it's fair to say most people have no idea. It's, that's abuse. Or then there's sexual abuse. But then what are the other types of abuses? Most people don't even know what constitutes sexual abuse. I mean, it's really, look, until you know, you don't know. Which is why um, we are so passionate at this organization about kind, gentle education. Because you don't want your daughter or your son or no. your best friend. You don't want <clears throat> them. It seems like as human beings, something bad happens. Then we figure out it was bad. Then we get books or we go to therapy and we go, oh. 
that's what that was. Yeah. But wouldn't it be amazing if we knew what it was before? before. So fast forward, I finally uh, get to a point in my life where I realize that there's some kind of a pattern going on yeah. here. <laughs> and I have no you know, boyfriend for years and years on purpose. Like I just want to kind of reset. And I start learning a lot about myself and my expectations and who I think I am in relationship to you know another person. And, and things got much better. So this organization was like a, almost like a class project. Yeah. And, and, and that's what it was a project that was supposed to happen for a weekend. Mm. And I had 12 weeks to do something in the community. Uh, and, and, then, and then that was it. So in 12 weeks, I'm sort of a go big or go home person. Always, always. You, in everything you do, that I've seen you do, you always go big or go home. That's why we're friends. That's why we're friends, because I go big or go home. Right. I mean, birds of a feather. I love that about you. You just have that, let's get her done, and you get it done. So fast forward, I've got this 12-week life course, and um, I wound up, and this was in years ago, uh, Incorporating, getting our 501c3 status. Just like that. Which used to take like a year, but I would call them and say, Hi, I hope I'm not bothering you. <laughs> I was just wondering. And you know, we got our 501c3 status like that. And the person on the other line in the IRS, I remember she said, Well, well, look at this. It's right here on my desk. Girl, I don't know how you got that so quickly. This should have taken a long time. Wow. But she said, I'm, yeah, you, you, you've got it. She said, you don't have the letter yet, but you are. It, it just seemed like it was all God kind was of ordained. It, it was just ordained. And everybody came in at just the right time, and we had this event in this beautiful penthouse. And all these women came from domestic violence shelters, and we had all these hairstylists and makeup artists and, and flowers and food everywhere, and the music was cranking, and we had a DJ, we had a photographer, and... Um, and I didn't sleep for days before this, like, what have I done? Why am I doing this? This isn't going to work. This is such a bad idea. It's like, it's like when it's the first day of school and you can't like, you're just like, it was, it was, I really, you know, and I did not grow up uh, in an environment where, where my sister and I were empowered. Yeah. You know, like I see how you are with Mackenzie and Logan and. These kids, they know who they are. They they have that me inside of me because they're just so loved, and you're just so great with them. You. If you grew up in a, a dysfunctional, abusive home, you really, as and as an adult, you still struggle to think: Am I loved? Am I lovable? Can I even? Can, can am I, I capable? Am I capable? Am I capable? Can I do this? Can I do? You know, so it's a lot for those of you out there listening who have any self doubts. Welcome to the club. Yeah. Well, and that, that leads, I mean, that feeds right into what this podcast is about, which is that you're not that funked up because we all have had oh. our times that we felt that we're not enough or we're not, you know, we, we don't deserve it or we oh, don't deserve yeah. to be happy or we don't deserve to be successful or we don't deserve whatever. And it's, it's the programming that we were raised with and that all lends itself to, especially if you've dealt with trauma or abuse, it, it leads, you know, it stems from our self-image and our self-worth. And realizing that you are worthy and you do deserve 
greatness and that you all have, everyone has greatness within us. It's just a matter of us to pull it out. Uh, It can be a real journey. And, you know, I want to say that you don't even have to grow up in a dysfunctional household. This could just be some kind of intense internal pressure that you have, you know, as a young human being for whatever reason. Maybe you feel like you you have to be perfect or you have to get things right or or you don't want to take up too much space. Right, right. Or, you know, other people are, you know, great with a capital G. That's not me. But honestly, folks, um, you know, there's a couple of, of things that propelled me forward. One was I gave my word, so. And then you were stuck. I, I, <laughs> I, I was like, I had bond, that's right? it. Like, I, I said I was going to do it. Now I have to do it. And, and I'm in this class with all these people, and um, I lost sleep. I was so afraid to pick up the phone. And call a domestic violence shelter to say, you know, hi, my name is, and this is what we're doing. And and I remember um, no one called me back. So I just thought, oh, this was a really bad idea. Um, I never should have done this. I just, it was a missed call. <laughs> Safe Horizon, which is one of the greatest uh, organizations yeah, in the I'll East Coast. 100%. I mean, it just had called back and said, this sounds wonderful. Give us a call. <laughs> and probably the first time you picked up that phone, I think we've had this conversation before too, like, Because most people, whether they're in sales or whatever it is that they do, that first phone call you have to make, the phone just feels so heavy, Mm. right? Like, it's just like, it feels like a ton of bricks. I'm going to share, like, a story with you. (laughs) No one has ever heard this story before. (laughs) So the first time I made a call to a domestic violence shelter, I had to have my best friend over for, like, moral support. And she was sitting across from me like you are, like... (laughs) Pick up the phone. It was you like, can do it. <laughs> can I make you some coffee? She's like, stop stalling. I'm like, no, I really would love some coffee. She's like, we'll have coffee after you make the call. But it just goes to show, um, it, you know, the important thing is this. Um, when you get out of your own way, you become like an instrument. Mm-hmm. You become a person who is capable of, of flowing what's meant to be. I know yeah. that sounds a little out there, but it isn't. I mean, um, it wasn't about me. It was yeah. about everybody coming together and providing something of meaning and worth to people who had been brainwashed into believing that they were worth nothing. Yeah. And so it, it turned out great. I mean, people Amazing, were laughing sure. and crying and... and I remember, I still remember those early quotes. Uh, I'm no longer a survivor. I'm a woman again. Mm. Or, uh, God bless all of you. I thought I'd been forgotten. Well, we read these quotes, you know, at the end of, everybody left. And and you know me, I like to take care of the volunteers too. So it was food and wine. And we were partying. And I put up all the pictures on a wall and had everyone read a quote. Because they had written them down already. We cried our eyes out, and that's when I realized, um, well, I can't stop doing this. Yeah, that the, and that was the beginning. <laughs> this was supposed to be the end, like the end. Wasn't that fun? And 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 I was just, I couldn't not, I couldn't not do it again, right? And each one got easier and easier. But there's always challenges. But the more we did it, the more obvious it was to all of us what it means to somebody. One little act of kindness, you can never, ever, ever under estimate it you know everybody should just think about a time in their life when someone did something or said something or gave them something it's just a little thing and it made such a big difference for you but you can be that for everybody else and I just feel 
blessed and amazed. Like I, I get to, I get to do this. I mean, I think, I think of whenever I've worked events with you, the, the faces of the women we're helping and when they walk in initially, they just are lost and they're broken. And like you said, they, you know, typically walk in and they feel forgotten. And one of the main focuses you've, you know, really added on to it is really making the children feel special because oh my gosh. the the mamas always, you know, their hearts are broken that maybe they're there during a holiday or maybe that their children are, you know, struggling to get to school now or that their whole life has been turned upside down. They've lost their home. They've lost everything. They've lost everything and they feel that it's their fault. And they do. And and, they're a bad parent. And they come in and the moms are sad and lonely and distraught. And usually the kids are too. And every single time I'm amazed at by the end of these amazing events and this education that you do, the change in their faces when the children are having fun, the women have their makeup and hair done. They, you know, oftentimes you have clothes for them or jewelry or gifts and just, you know, we just spoil them with love. And that, you know, all feeds into, you know, why your company is, why this charity is Love Will because Love will prevail. Love will fill in the blank of anything. Yeah, it will make a difference. Love will lift you up. Love will change your life. Love will get you back where you need to be. And, you know, it's, 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 so if you're going through a tough time and someone says, don't worry, it's going to be okay. You know, we love you. It doesn't, the human mind can't accept that when it's in trauma or turmoil. You're like, mm-hmm, okay, thank you. Showing just showing somebody that you matter. Like they know that we're volunteering and then everybody comes in so happy. Hi. And it's a little overwhelming for them. I remember a lot of uh, women don't want to participate. Right. Like, please. Yeah. I remember we've sometimes been like sitting there like, can we get some ladies in the chairs? (laughs) Because, you know, they don't know what to expect and it's it's uncomfortable to be uh, treated well when you don't feel that you deserve it. And that goes not for just a survivor of domestic abuse. For anyone. For anyone, right? And um, because you can only be treated as as highly as you think of yourself. So it's a little overwhelming. And I just love that, that, that ability to prove to somebody, to show somebody through actions that they matter. And I'll tell you, at the foundation, I think at the root of all evils in the world is a human being who is broken or furious that they don't matter yeah and a lot of from from how from the education you've given me a lot of what we face in these situations uh, as women or men because men men there have been some men there too god love them with domestic violence as well is oftentimes you've been really brainwashed to believe that you're not worthy. And I I remember a story of a woman who um, had, and and similar to you described before, the man had made her feel like this is, you're you're a princess and everything is perfect and amazing. And then one time he pushed her or hit her and she fell and she said, you pushed me. And he said, no, I didn't. And he brainwashed her because he had her so brainwashed to believe that she hadn't. And this was a CEO. She was like a big honcho. And it just, it went to show, I remember that story because it showed me, wow, like your brain can be molded to believe anything. I'm so glad you said that. 
It's so true. It, and, it, and it happens um, very, very slowly. So, you know, you show up on a first date with somebody and they do and say terrible things to you. You will you never go right on away. a date with them. Right. But I will tell you a totally <laughs> crazy thing. I went to a, a world conference for women and one of the guest speakers was Terry Crews. Do you know who Terry Crews Yeah, is? absolutely. So Terry Crews, what a guy. He is so passionate about ending domestic abuse. Um, he's just a, he's a saint. And he said something that has stuck with me for years and, and it's in my book. He said, ladies, he grew up many years ago in a culture that was very much against women. And he was surrounded by men who literally this was their advice to other guys. You know, man, just treat her right for three weeks and she'll spend three years trying to get it back. This was uh, like a, a thing. Yeah. It's a plot, and it's a, and it's actually true because that's how your brain is wired. In my book, I address the uh, addiction part of domestic abuse. We all have some addiction, whether it's um, pie or saltine crackers <laughs> or cigarettes, I wish it was saltine crackers, <laughs> or red wine, or right, some TV show you have Cookies. got to watch it. You can't go to sleep right. until you've mm. seen your show. And, you know, and this is sort of the more mild, this can be a pain in the neck and even get in the way of, you know, well, I should really be doing this, but I'm doing that, to, you know, really dangerous addictions where somebody could die and it really, you know, ruins your life. But no matter what spectrum it's on, when someone is, is um, when you feel great, your brain is lit up like a Christmas tree with neurotransmitters like endorphins, <laughs> right? When you don't feel great, they're gone. And that's when you get that kind of like little hollow sort of sad feeling, yeah. right? It's like, where are the good, where are the good, where's the good juice? Vibrations, right? <laughs> your brain just changed. And then you're happy again and then you're sad again. So in a relationship that's abusive, you feel so great and, and your brain is used to that dopamine rush, that endorphin rush. And then it's gone. Hmm. How can you get it back? You, you try really hard. You'll do anything at that point to get and it then back. You, and then when you do get a little bit back, oh, okay, everything's okay again. Like, it's, this, it feels good again. Life's going to be okay. And then it's gone. Yeah. And we're just human, by the way. Anybody listening? <laughs> You're only human. You're only human. You're only human. And, and, you know, I mean, you all have red blood cells. I mean, this is just how we're built. The brain is, is, is plastic, which means it can change. That's how uh, people learn to play instruments, or that's how you learn to write. Right? You keep doing something, repeating it over and over again, and then you have pathways in your brain that lock it in. Right? Try, try writing with your left hand if you're a right-hander, it's or really vice hard. versa, because <laughs> your brain isn't wired that right. way. So try to leave an abusive relationship without any help. Just cold turkey. You know what? Don't ever eat sugar again. You know sugar is bad for you. So let's go in the house and throw away all that delicious pie yeah. and everything else. We're never going to have sugar again. You, you're going to need help and motivation. Yeah, 100%. You're going to need a support group. Um, but I want to get back to you know something you, you, you had asked me earlier. So you know, we founded the organization, and, and, and I realized this is, this is a calling. This isn't a, a project. This is a calling. And uh, now I have to do research. I've got to know what I'm talking about here. And I found this pamphlet or something online, or maybe I was in a doctor's office. But anyway, it was ask yourself the following questions to see if you've ever been in an abusive relationship. And I am ticking off the boxes. Well, now this was 13 years ago. I started shaking because... So scary. 
Well, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have to be really, really honest. I was humiliated. Me? I thought my mother was a victim of domestic abuse. I'm not a victim of domestic abuse. I'm smart. (laughs) Now, my mother happens to have a a degree uh, from a great college. She's very brilliant. Um, But that's just another sort of myth that we need to shatter. But But I'm... I'm not an idiot. <laughs> right. Well, and I think, I mean, off of what you're saying, how many lawyers, CEOs, you know, people in, in big jobs in corporate America, you know, people who are celebrities have been through some sort of, because it's been not about. And they're not going to tell you no. because I remember that feeling of shame and I was in a great relationship and I called up uh, my boyfriend and, and I said, please, I need to talk to you. And, 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 and I was crying. I said, I'm so embarrassed. I'm just would you still love me? He was like, what are you talking about? Right, right. I was like, I think I'm unlovable. Oh. It was it was such a, you know, but it was 13 years yeah. ago. It was before Me Too. It was before any of it. And I had to, I had to have like a reckoning with myself. Right. And here was the aha moment. And it really comes through other people and what other people are willing to share. And we're, we're going in the shelters and we're doing these events and I'm recovering from the fact that I just realized that... I experienced it uh, myself. yes. Um, cause it just seemed like a shameful label. Yeah. You say like, I've survived this type of cancer. People hug you and they're proud of you because you're a fighter and you're a survivor. And you know, if you've gone through bankruptcy, but you crawled your way back and you're a multimillionaire, no one remembers you as being bankrupt. Just, wow, you, you, you're the comeback kid. There is no, there's no hug at the end of the There's no hug at the end of like, wow, you went through abuse and, and look at you now. It's like, oh, really? Yeah. You know? I know. It's very hush hush. And it's very like, oh, oh, shunned. Like almost like you're shunned upon. For, well, you shun yourself. Yeah. Right? For, so uh, look, I mean, it's just a lot of myths, right? So this is a great country. We have podcasts now. We have Oprah. We have so much information. <laughs> and we just have this great opportunity through conversations like this. To shine a light on so on many everything. myths. Can you imagine yeah. where we're going to be in 10 years? People, where are we going to be in another 5 or 10 years where we're taking down these barriers of right. like shame? So fast forward, I'm talking to, um, or fast backward, I don't know. I don't know where we are anymore. <laughs> Help me, matter. Danielle. Where are we? <laughs> Mr. Pumpkin, where are we? Talking to the pumpkin. Um, one of the gals who volunteered said... Um, Oh, Aaron, I, I just want to say thank you for this opportunity. And I, I also just want to say I, I know a little something about this. Oh, this is where we're at. You can't say, and I'm a survivor of domestic abuse. You have to say, I, I know a little something about this. And she told me her story. I asked her, could I? Could we talk later? And, we, and she was very brave, and, and um, she had never told her parents. She ran, she ran away from home because she was so ashamed that she thought she should just leave home. And thankfully, someone found her and brought her home, and it all came out, and her parents were like, what? And, and were very supportive and helpful for her. That could have turned out horrible. But um, I, when I asked her, oh, you, wait, you never told your mom and dad? Why? And she said, I don't know. I guess I just felt really stupid. <laughs> Let me tell you, that was such an aha moment. Because I'd heard it so often, but, you know, the sweet, soft-spoken, smart, volunteering all the time, precious girl, holding this inside, it was like, that's it. I'm not stupid, you're not stupid, he's not stupid, she's not stupid. We just didn't know. Yeah. Now, my mother gave me a book about sex when I was 10. Here you go. 
I'm 10 years old. I'm like, wow, okay. I loved medical books and things like that. And I was like a really weird kid. And I was like, okay, I know all about that. But but nothing about abuse? Nothing about, nothing, nothing. So um, that's how the whole education started. That's how that passion, you know, I've spoken to women uh, who are 83 who were like, well, my first husband, you know, beat me. I almost lost my child. But I never told my uh, family why I left him. Hmm. This woman's 83 years yeah. old. Well, this, this secret, Stigma. it's almost like a secret society. And so many of us are a part of it. And there needs to be more awareness, which is what you're so amazing at, is bringing that awareness to light. You were a great example yourself. Just, I, you know, I hope you don't mind me sharing, but I remember you telling me a story about your own experiences, that you had this amazing modeling career. and Oh, you were in a car accident. And- well, anybody listening, I do have a book coming out. <laughs> if you want to hear stories and, you know, more in-depth and, and all of that, um, it's called Dying for Love, uh, What Every Woman Should Have Known Before the First Kiss. <laughs> and um, so that'll be coming out. But, I mean, do you want me to share that story now? It's kind yeah, of I crazy. Mean, yeah, if, I think crazy. it's really, I, it was very eye-opening for me to all hear right. and, and I can't resist that. you. I can't. I, she's giving me those eyes, and you just do just a bit more. whatever she asks, and you just say it. So it's, um, you know, I'll just keep it brief. I, I was living overseas. I hadn't seen my family for a long time, and that's relevant because there was a little isolation going on there. Right. And this was pre-internet, pre-FaceTime. So mm. you know, you're a little, you're cut off. Yeah. Okay. So I'm a little isolated. And uh, my boyfriend was very handsome and from a very wealthy family. And I didn't realize it at the time, but just very much in control of everything, mm. right? So, um, and I had had uh, this terrible car accident, which he was the driver. And uh, it was it was a tough time because I couldn't work. Um, I was in a lot of physical pain. I mean, I went through the windshield. I had open oh. heart surgery in a foreign country. So if you just pile it up, what does it add up to? Vulnerability. Yeah, absolutely. Right? It's not like Huge. I'm here at your house hanging out. Right. I'm with all my besties and my <laughs> friends. You know, I'm not in my hometown no, not with my home crew. I'm far away. I'm hurt. I'm injured. I'm scared. I'm, I'm you know, this was years ago anyway. I'm not was not the woman I am today. So um, I had not worked for a while, which was hard. I mean... And uh, anyway, I wound so up... So you had become, in essence, codependent on dependent. him. Because, you could yeah. take off the code, just yeah. dependent. And um, and he he wasn't gracious about it. I mean, a lot of men are just, they're so wonderful and sweet. And, and, and this was very, it just was, it was, this was the type of guy who would go out, we would go out, the two of us, to get something. And he would run into a friend and get out of the car and leave me sitting in the car and not introduce me. I didn't know if he was embarrassed of me, if I wasn't as pretty as the last girlfriend. I don't know what was going on. But well, that's impossible because you're gorgeous. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> I just got a lot of, yeah. of, you know, it wasn't like a strong partner. Where someone feeling, was like, right. baby, you know, let me take care of that. I, it wasn't that at all. It was more like um, he was a little lost and wanted to keep me by his side yeah. to make him feel better. So... And I bought right into that because I was always that little girl that was like, Mommy, please don't cry. Mommy, I'll make it better. So now I'm an adult going, Oh, don't be sad or nervous. I'll, I'll, I'll stay with you. Yeah. <laughs> Keep you company. I'm, I'm barefoot and have nothing, but, you know, let me help you out. <laughs> so um, I got a job with Tom Ford. For those of you listening, Tom Ford took over Gucci 
and uh, made it uh, a fabulous brand again. And it was only his second year. And he was he was he was a celebrity. He was like a global celebrity. Hi. And I wound up going to this uh, casting, and um, I had a huge red scar down the middle of my chest. It, you could see it like two blocks away. <laughs> and I don't even know why I thought I should be going to this casting. But um, so I met with Tom, and I showed him my scar right off the bat. And he said, "Wow, that looks like it was pretty serious." And I said, "It, it was. I almost died." And he said, "Wow." Um, and I, what a guy. He just, I remember he turned to his assistant, Carlos, and he said, Carlos, we're going to work with her. Put her in the turtlenecks. Because <laughs> wow. he was doing the fall line, yeah. right? Put her in the turtlenecks. And that was my my first oh, job. You're in. Again. My, yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm back. You know, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't on a billboard or anything. It was no, just but that's somebody, but I'm back. It was going to be the house of right. Gucci, and here we go. Yeah. And it was <clears> three <throat> weeks worth of work in Milan. Now, I'm living in Florence. And I have no money. I have no car. I can't drive. I don't speak Italian. So, what 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 would a great guy, normal human being do? Offer to take his beautiful girlfriend. Like, baby, I'm so happy for yeah, you. This is I'm amazing. I'll drive you. I'm going to drive you up. I'm going to stay with you for a few days. I'm going to get you settled in. This is so exciting. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> anyway. You know, I have to say, I mean, who knows what happened to him to make him, you know, in this spot. But, you know, I you can't get inside somebody's mind, but it just wasn't that guy. So um, we're driving up. Well, and it, I don't mean to interrupt. Obviously, you know the story best. But one of the things I remember you telling me is even before driving up, he started, did he start? Well, this is where we're going. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we're in the car. It's like five or six in the morning. It's a three-hour drive to Milan. And um, how are you going to get around? What do you mean, how am I going to, I don't, I guess just the subway? Oh, you are going to take the subway. Okay, smart girl, because I am Italian, and I don't even know my way around the subway in Milan. It's very complicated. So I got this butterfly in my right. stomach. I was already scared because I hadn't worked for a while. Yeah. And, you know, but. Getting thrown back into it. I was like, oh, I'm not going to let anybody talk me out of this. This went on for three hours. The whole ride. The whole ride. These like little comments, and 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 then he kept upping the ante, like, oh, you know, they're just bringing you there because you're American, and 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 they think that you know you're easy. What? Like he was trying to plant it in my head. They don't want you to be a model. They want you for like sexual relations, mm-hmm. which was crazy. And uh, I was shaking like a leaf, but something came over me. Like I am not letting anybody take this job away from me. And um, we pulled up literally in front of the house of Gucci. It's like a huge iron gate. And, you know? yeah. and I leaned forward to get my bag and I opened the car door and he said, after everything I said to you, you're still going to take this job? I said, yes. Yes, I am. And he said, great. You have a job, but you have no boyfriend and you have no place to live. Have a nice life. Well, that was my weakest point. Right. Because you had nothing else. I didn't have anything else. And and I didn't have the wherewithal at that time in my life to think... Fine, screw you. Fine, okay. <laughs> right. um, you know, if I could go back in time, I would just say, well, that's 
really not very nice. So <laughs> um, goodbye. I right, don't think we're right. going out anymore. And I would have marched into the house of Gucci and said, so my boyfriend just dropped me off and yeah. said that I'm on my own and I have nothing and I'm really excited to work for you. So I'm going to need a little money and I'm going to need you know. Can you put me up somewhere? Yeah. Can I sleep here? <laughs> <laughs> and they would have said, what? That's crazy. Of course we'll, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, it, it shattered me. It really, really shattered me. And I started to cry. And he said, that's what I thought. And he reached across for me, closed the door, and drove. He drove to meet someone for lunch. And he said, uh, you seem a little hysterical, so you can stay in the car. And he went and had lunch for two hours. While you sat in the car. While I sat in a parking garage in a car. And then we got back in the car and drove home. And by the time we got home, I had welts all over me. My Everything was swollen up. It was... Um, the anxiety. Yeah, it was like an allergic reaction. Like I was over so was flooded upset. with histamine. My fingers swelled up, my ears, everything swelled up. And um, that lasted for like a year. Wow. Anytime I would get a little nervous, everything would, would Isn't blow Isn't that up. crazy how it was started coming out from within? Mm, like yes. all of the pain you were facing and just all of the stress. And there was no one to talk to. And you and I had mentioned this before, and, and, and I'll say it in this podcast. It's really important. You know, the things that happen to us can cause us pain, but it's the secrets that we keep <laughs> that really can kill us or hurt us. Because something's happened to everyone. Uh, some people obviously have had atrocities that we can't even touch them, but it's not a comparison. Something has happened to everybody, and um, we don't really want to talk about it, or yeah. maybe someone doesn't want to hear about it. But I don't care if you tell a priest or you write it on a slip of paper and you leave it somewhere to find it, or you, you tell your best friend or a therapist or tell a total stranger. You have to get it out. Yeah. I had no one to talk to because I had been completely isolated. I had yeah. no friends, no family, and... Um, that was a really, that was a tough time, but here I am. I mean, we all get through our things. I don't swell up anymore Thank when goodness. I get anxious. But I think all of that is what led to when you had your aha moment yourself. Oof. I mean, all of those moments of, of that relationship and any other relationships that possibly. Yeah, it was such a cycle, yeah. right? Because he was great to me in the beginning, right? you know, and, uh, and I really loved his family. Right. And I was going to be part of this family. And I know, you know, people listening to this can really relate to that. You know, it's not so black and white. It's not just, no, oh, you know, so Chris Brown hit Rihanna, that's domestic abuse. No, there's. it's just one person gaining power and control over oh, another. Nothing. It's you not being able to just be yourself like you used to be, whether it's the friends you are with or the clothes you wear or the religion that you embrace. Um, and it's... Um, those you know little put downs that you you kind of start feeling bad about yourself or that everything's your fault when you're in a healthy relationship you have arguments you can cry and 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 you make up and you love each other and you're proud of each other and you support each other and you encourage each other you say listen i, I don't i don't think this is such a good idea i mean it's your life but i i think you might be making a mistake here yeah but it's your life i mean that's healthy that's <laughs> healthy so why am I so passionate about it? Because it happened to my mother, it happened to me, and then every girl I meet, woman, former DA, yeah. CEO of this and mm. that, and um, I just feel very excited because I feel like this is a time when um, it's like the dawn of a new day, right? and the sun is not going back. Yeah. It's just going to get brighter and brighter and lighter and lighter. And then, you know, meeting you and your mom, I have to tell you, was like... 
That was a sign. Yeah. Because um, it was harder the second time. Now I have to tell that story. Yeah. Okay. So the first event was great. Um, but it was really challenging right. because people kept canceling. So they would volunteer and then say, oh, I got a gig. For the, the hand the same day. for like, people, right. Wait, mm. no, if you volunteer, that's your gig. It's a volunteer gig. <laughs> um, so the people who did show up, they were amazing. I could, So many celebrity artists were crying like I didn't even know that this was something I should be doing. I remember one girl said... My agent said I should do this, and I pushed back, but I, I let her talk me into it. And I'm here, and I'm here to tell you that uh, my my dad threw my mom down the stairs when she was pregnant with me, and almost lost me. And had to, and she raised me on her own. She's like, I am a child of this, wow. and she was almost hysterical. She never talked about it or even thought about it. She, you know, okay. So fast forward. And by the way, you know, challenges come up. You know, uh, doubts, they come up. I think a lot of people think that I have it all together. <laughs> well, you do a great job. I hear that. Others, you? No one knows. You know? that. I mean, no but one none knows. Of us have, none of us have it all together. No. And that's the, you know. No one. But I think that, you know, people who are in the middle of doing something, they yeah. give off this vibe <clears> like, oh, she's got it all together. She knows everything. I know. I was talking I'm like, no, I'm a hot mess, actually. Yeah. Oh, my God. The t- I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've thought, what am I doing? Yeah. What am I doing? Or why did I think I could do this? Or why did I think this would matter? Or, you know, I, I can't. I can't do this. Or, you know, any number of things, right? There's doubts and doubts and doubts. And then you got to refocus. Yeah. you got to refocus. And you got to remember what's possible. Right. you got to have faith in other people. Mm you got to have faith that your intent is going to carry the day. And that's where you and your mom come in. Yeah. So, uh, you know, throwing these events and, it's, and, and uh, you know, I mean, I was going gray. Because the night before, I'm triple calling people. And I have to overbook it. Because now I realize, oh, people just are not accountable. <laughs> right? But I'm accountable to the women that I've promised these services. Right. Right? So I'm, the buck stops here. That's an interesting place to be. So I thought, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And I met you and your mom, and I was introduced by Johnny, Mm -hmm. makeup artist. And your mother said, um, you and your mom were like, no, we can handle this. But I didn't know you. Yeah. And I thought, "Uh uh-huh. Like just another Another couple people saying, we've got you. (laughs) Uh, But I don't know, something about your smile, something I just... (laughs) I went out, I went for it, you know, and because you, you kept showing up and you kept calling, you kept showing me like, yeah. oh, aren't we going to do this? Like you followed up with me. Right. And I thought, oh, they're following up with me. When people follow up with me, <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> they sign. really mean it. Yeah, absolutely. And the next event, you came in. You came in, you brought all those girls doing hair and makeup. Everybody was wearing their metamorphosis shirts. <laughs> Everybody was smiles. Um, I, I, I really... It was such a great feeling to not be needed. <laughs> because yeah. There was a moment I was in the back of the room and it was all just happening. And which you, is the best, which is how you scale anything. Right. right? Everybody it's, just was like, no, I'll get that. No, I'll do that. No, we got it. And it was amazing. You just needed a little touch here and yeah. there, a little, you know, it was the first time I got to really kind of look out over and all enjoy of it, it and say, you know, little this, little that. And, yeah. and, and uh, wow. Yeah. And then you were like, when are we doing it again? Okay, when are we doing it again? 
And I came to realize that there are people in the world who who will donate money. They yeah, will donate we'll their back. time. They will give back, and they love it. Yeah. And, uh, I'll, you know, what a miracle. Yeah. You know, th- there's always somebody out there. If your intention is pure and you show up, other people will show up. You know, I realize I don't have to do it all alone because I grew up like that. Yeah. I, if I, I have to do this. I have to do it. Yeah. And I didn't know how to say, can you do that? Yeah. <laughs> you should now. Yeah. Just like, now that's my new favorite thing. Hey, do you know anybody? <laughs> well, I mean, and honestly, that's any any major company, any any anything in life, if you can't, if everything falls on you, then it stops at you because then it can't be, there's no legacy. Wise words. Right? Because if you can't pass it on, if someone else can't step in and do what you do, then it, then the buck stops at you. I have to tell you, I'm excited one day to step aside. Yeah. I don't know who the next CEO is going to be, but I know that he or she is going to take it to places that I will just say, wow, I'm so glad that we met you. You know, uh, when that day comes, it will be the most humbling, most amazing day because you create something that gives people back in in their heart and gives back into society and then other people take it on. Wow. Well, and that's, you know, for Dennis and I, our biggest thing has always been, you know, how many people are better off because we've lived. It's not just, you know, we don't want it to stop at us. We want a legacy that continues to carry on and, and, and past our children and our grandchildren and, and so on and so forth. Well, that's how you guys are changing the world because you're instilling that, you know, remember when you brought, um, Danny, um, um, Mackenzie, yeah, you brought Mackenzie yeah. with you. Oh my God. And you said, I want my daughter to be exposed yeah. to giving back. Uh, and she had one of the best days of her life. And, I'm sure Logan will be excited to come, you know. We can't wait to have him. Like, can you please share your toys with... So, you know, just with the kids, you know, we focused... We always focused on the moms and then the kids is because, you know, there wasn't any babysitting, so what can we do with them? But I've since learned, get more self-discovery, right? Oh, I'm actually a child. I'm an adult child victim of domestic violence. That, it comes with stuff. It comes with... It, it comes with a certain type of even brain impairment, yeah. and you know it's it's something you struggle with. But you gotta you gotta focus on it, and 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 then focus on who you can help with it. So, I'm looking at these little kids. This is what got me. Christmas. What happens when you walk into a room with a bunch of kids and you have Christmas presents and you say Santa Claus is here? You're a mom. What happens? Chaos <laughs> and joy, but joyful chaos. Right. Just where's mine? Oh, yeah. uh, where's my gift? Where, not I these want kids. Santa. I want, yeah. Not these kids. I mean, some of them do, but a lot of them mm-hmm. are just quiet. Yeah. Um, I will always remember this little kid who, oh, I get emotional thinking of it. It was mom was down in the other room and we were, you know, doing our lovings down the hall. And I was in the room with the kids, which I usually wasn't, but I, I felt really pulled, oh. yeah, to be in there. And uh, he was sitting all by himself in the corner of a room. I mean, just everybody had finally, you know, was doing their thing and finally having a good time. But he must have been, I don't know, two and a half. Is that toddler? Yeah. Little. He's a little guy. Just sitting there. So I said, uh, do you want to open your toy? He said, no. <laughs> I said, you don't want to know what's in here? No. I said, can I sit next to you? Uh-huh. I said, do you want to sit in my lap? Uh huh. 
I said, okay, can, can I open it? Cause I, I really want to know what's inside there. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, we opened up, it was like some dinosaur thing. And then uh, I think we brought over another toy and then we started playing and that kid was on my hip for like the next hour. Like I just picked him up and started carrying him around. But by the end of it, like he had sort of snapped out of it. I don't think we realized that these children have post-traumatic stress yeah, disorder. the trauma that they're seeing and facing and, and a part of. Yeah. So when I asked this, our social worker partners, okay, so what do we, what do we need to do with them? They're like, make them laugh. <laughs> Anything else? No, just make them laugh. Well, why, why does that matter? They're like, because they're traumatized and laughter helps to reset the brain. Wow. And I thought, of course it does. Think about like any time in your life when your girlfriends came and got you and, and, and they kind of joked you out of a mood and you were like, thank you so much. Right. I really needed right. this day. Right, a bad day. breakup, but just a bad day. I Anything. needed you this. Laughing, you, you totally forget. Yeah, you turn my mood around. Yeah. Imagine the, the developing brain of a child. It's still growing. Wow. It's, it's like a little grapefruit. It's getting bigger, 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 bigger. Um, when you have that kind of a trauma, there's nine centers of your brain that will not, it could potentially not grow properly. Hmm. Your hippocampus, your amygdala, your amygdala, um, your amygdala helps you not go crazy when something bad is happening. You know, some people just seem to be able to be like, all right, we'll work it out. And other people go insane and you're like, yeah. calm down. That could be a person whose amygdala has been compromised really? and all of these you know, um, uh, neurotransmitters are flooding through. There's no gate. Wow. It's not their fault. So there's no filter. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. That's, that's really incredible. I mean, to think that just the difference and, and I've seen it firsthand, the difference when we go in, in those children. Yeah. We see it with the moms, which has always been so special, but seeing it with the kids and that this can make a real big difference is just, Amazing. Um, you know, obviously you are making a huge impact in the world and, and, um, and I'm so blessed to be a part of it with you and just, you know, be able to, to do you be want to supportive. be the CEO? No, I do not. You are <laughs> Come the on, perfect woman four or for the five job. years down the road. Not today, no, but, but no, I'm okay. All right. Just asking to be, um, you heard it here first. She said, no, no I'm just kidding. You, but you're just, you, I feel like I, you're just, the co-creator in all this. No, you, you and Dennis, this. your mom. We are just very thankful to be able to know you and be able uh. to, to, to be side by side helping you and just do anything we can for you. Um, in closing, is there anything you recommend for how people can just embrace their vulnerability, embrace their traumas, and help to push past them, whatever they may be in their life? I really can just say to you with the most, you know, bald honesty, um, it, it's, it, I don't always know what I'm doing. And that was something I couldn't accept in the beginning. Mm. I couldn't accept not knowing. And now I've embraced that. That's normal. Yeah. It's completely normal, totally normal to not know. If you're waiting to do something or start something until you know, I'm going to tell you this because it's one of many wonderful lessons. You don't know what you can do until you got to do it. Yeah. I never planned an event in my life. And yet here we are 13 years later. I never taught <laughs> anything in my life. Here I am 13 years later going into corporations, yeah. talking to 500 people. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how. But there's a caring there. Mm -hmm. And I come from the place of caring. I care about sharing this information. I care about what happens to you. 
and then the knowing comes afterwards. So if you're not afraid, you're not doing enough. Yeah. Uh, it's not about it's not about not being afraid. It's about having the courage to feel fear <laughs> for me. So feeling afraid is a very uncomfortable feeling, but I now have, I realize I have the courage to be afraid. Yeah. So that's how I am where I am today. And, and face that fear. Like, okay, I will be yeah. afraid. Okay, I guess I'm just going to be afraid. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll face it and I'll press on. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times I've told someone, I'm really afraid. Yeah. You got to just own it. Like, you have to own it. And, um, and the times in my life that I was the most afraid and I told someone I'm really scared, I was when I learned the most. Hmm. I mean, and the reason that our classes do so well, our, our workshop, which is called That's Not Okay, is because I, if, I, if I feel like I'm going to cry, I just cry. And those girls realize, oh, this isn't just someone that got hired by my school to come in and go, at me. If I'm telling them a story and I can't breathe, I will stop and say, I'm so sorry, I can't breathe right now. Because whenever I talk about this, all of these feelings come up and it's, it's really hard for me to keep them down. And then I ask them, am I in a safe place? Is it okay for me to be this? And all their little hands go up, yes, miss. How's that for vulnerable? Yeah. But they're right there with me. And then they share their stories. Yeah. And then they tell me how they feel or they line up afterwards. And that's how you really get that information and that learning education. Because how are you going to forget a perfect stranger yeah. coming into your school and stopping for a moment and saying, when I tell this story, I still feel so like, I can't breathe. I need a moment. Yeah. Then it's safe for them. Yeah. Oh, if it's, you know, you've just created a safe space. Because human beings are at their most powerful when they are willing to be vulnerable. <laughs> I mean, and that's my favorite author outside of you, of course. Um, Brene Brown always talks about vulnerability and, and how we need to be able to embrace it and not be afraid of it. And just to admit when we're vulnerable and that it's going to be okay. And keep going on. Yeah. You, you can't just stop there no, and, and dissolve and, go, and everybody oh, save me. Yeah. Huh? You just and then go press on because uh, people need you. I mean, everybody has this gift to give to someone or yeah. a lot of people. You don't have to be a CEO of anything. No. You do little projects here and there. I, you know, I always my favorite thing to do for no reason at all is to pay for the coffee behind me. Yeah, you have no idea. I mean, you don't know what's going on in you that person's no life. And and then, then maybe and, everything's okay, but right. they're like, wow, that's a thing. You can be, you and, know. and how many people, you know, um, receive that, and that changes their whole day and their whole life. Right? Like some, you just don't Something know. Something is shifted. You can never and ever how many, underestimate. We don't know how many, know how many people pay kindness. it forward either. Yeah. You know, which is if we can show that act of kindness, like you said, anyone, anyway, hold a door open for someone. It's the greatest feeling in the world, and yeah. I think that we have forgotten that. But, um, you know, I, I, I just want to say my grandparents, after they retired, they were always helpful in the community. And after they retired, they wound up working full-time volunteers uh, in the cardiovascular unit of a hospital to uh, speak f- for the patients to the doctors because there was kind of a lack yeah. of communication there, and these people were in a very fragile state. 
And um, they were there 40, 45 hours a week. I'm like, I need an appointment with you guys, and you're retired. And then they were really active in the church and RCA, RCI, I forget what it's called, but they were just always giving, 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 volunteering. And I really had that to look up to, these two loving people. And when they moved and had to leave that hospital, people broke down. They threw, this, like, almost 100 people showed up for a party to say wow. goodbye. They gave them plaques and, and keep in touch with us. So I, they, they modeled that for me. Yeah. You know, and your giving and your, your mother is one of my greatest uh, inspirations. Just that kindness, you know. So uh, anyway, if you're listening and you've ever been through any kind of abuse, um, I do have a little bit of advice for you, and it's this. <laughs> Um, tell someone because no one asks for it and it happens to um, a lot of people and um, you will feel better when you tell someone and there's always going to be people who judge us and there's always going to be people who don't so go find the ones who don't don't. right because those are your real friends number two if you're struggling with it or you have a friend who's struggling with it um, there, if you Google um, uh, domestic violence national hotline, it's one eight hundred seven nine nine SAFE S A F E, and uh, you can call and say, "Oh, I'm calling for somebody else. I don't know what to do or how to help them, or is this even abuse? I don't know." And if you'd like to have us come to your organization or your school or your church, uh, you can email us at uh, info at and abuse for good and that's the number four mm-hmm. good.org or just you know go on our website you can find the little contact and um god bless mm-hmm. everyone for listening I, I there's a lot of good hearts listening to this right now and, and if you feel like you want to help somebody don't wait to be a ceo of an yeah. organization <laughs> yeah. just uh go do it because you're needed yeah. and you're worthy and you will find out just how much uh, you can do if you just do it. Because that's all that I did. It was just, hmm, what should I do? I guess I'll do this. Here I am. Well, you are so special. And we're so thankful that you graced us with your presence for you're not that <laughs> funked up. So. You are not that <laughs> funked up. Trust me. We are me. all funked up. We all of If you were born, if you're alive right now and you're listening to this, you are so funked up. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. We should get a little wristband. We will. We'll get one. I am fucked up. Everyone would have one. We would. Everyone would have one. I want to add this before we say goodbye. Do you remember when when we had the leadership conference and Mm -hmm. I said, everybody in the room who knows someone who's ever been in an abusive relationship, raise your hand. And 2,000 people raise their hand. Every single person. There you go. We can sign off with that. I love you to pieces. I love you Thank to you pieces. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you here. for coming. And thanks, John Anthony, over there at the table. for <laughs> He's running all the behind the scenes. The behind the scenes. Yes. <laughs> Juju. Thank you so much. And um, you just you truly bless me all the time. And I just wanted to share you with the world because you you are just a huge impact player throughout. So thank you again. 